0: Good morning to everybody. Uh, good morning. Well, let's do it one more time, okay? A uh, good morning, everyone. Okay. Uh, why don't you turn to your seatmates and then just uh, greet them and give them a nice smile and say to them that I'm so happy that you're here with me today. All right. It's uh, great to be back here at uh, the United Evangelical Church of uh, the Philippines. Uh, Warm greetings from our church at uh, UEC Palawan. Uh, And when when I say warm greetings, it's Palawan warm. Okay, (laughs) that's how kind uh, of warm uh, it is in our place. But uh, right now, it's uh, also similar here. Uh, It's raining in Palawan in. Uh, this past few days, uh, but we wanted to uh, give this opportunity to uh, look into God's Word together. So this is our joy. Shall we all come to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful time that we could look into your Word and to understand your heart for us, Lord, and for the people that we want us to reach. I pray, Father, that you will give us clarity of mind as we look into your word. May the Holy Spirit be their teacher today. We love you, we love Jesus, and we love the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that today we will be able to listen well, intently. And I pray, Father, that you will be the one to speak to us, Lord, not me. Uh, Just use me, Lord God, as your vessel but Lord, I pray that when we leave this place, we will not be unchanged by your word. Thank you, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, we learned that God's heart, beat, heart beats for the nations. Amen? And so Bishop Noel was here, and uh, he was uh, able to share the word of God for us. Uh, and we learned it from the Old Testament that God, God's heart beats for the nations. He loves people, and he wants people to know His salvation. He made a promise to bless all nations through the nation of Israel. Today, we will be looking again into the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament as we see God's heart for missions. God's heart for justice and mercy is evident in His concern for the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. We will see this in scriptures later and how he uh, repeatedly tells how important they are in God's heart. So in this sermon, we will explore how God's call for justice and mercy motivates us to be involved in missions that addresses the issues of poverty, injustice, and oppression. Before we begin, I'd like for us, because we're talking about the heartbeat of God, I want you to put your hand on your chest right now? Can you feel your heart? Okay? Now, I don't know how your heart is beating right now, but try to simulate. As your heart is beating right now, do this as well. So, if your heart is beating slow, then beat your chest like this, slowly. Okay? Try to uh, feel your heart. Okay? And then show me, show us, how is your heart beating? Okay? So, we have somebody's heart is beating like this. We need a doctor. (laughs) All right. Okay. But let's pretend that your heart is beating this fast. Okay, so let's follow me together. This is our heart. But do you know how God's heart beat is like for the people of the world? You know, this is how God, God's heart is beating for us. He's so excited for people to know Him. He's so excited for people to know Him and His salvation for the world. But we, those people who say, I know God and I love Him, our heart is like this, for the things of God. And probably we're thinking, why is it that my heart beats this low while God's heart beats so fast? And maybe it's because we don't really know the heartbeat of God. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The passage that we would be looking at is in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 to 10. We read it already, but I want to repeat it so that it will be very clear for us. Isaiah 58 says, Is it not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor? The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light shine, shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. You see, the prophet Isaiah recounts the time when the nation of Israel fasted before the Lord. People were fasting. How many of you here fast? You know, uh, nobody fasts. You feast, but you don't fast. You know what fasting is, right? It's like when you're not eating so that you could pray to God sincerely, reverently, and humbly bowing down before God. You're fasting. Lord, I want to pray for this. And you're not eating. You're you're starving yourself. Okay? Now, fasting is not bad. God required it in scriptures, we'll see later. But this is a time when God spoke against the nation of Israel for the very thing that God required of them, fasting. You know why? He was not pleased with their kind of fasting. You might say, isn't fasting something that God is pleased? Well, in fact, God required His people to pray and fast. That is true. The first one, God commanded the people to fast on the day of atonement. If you look at Exodus chapter 16, verses 29 to 31, this is what you would read. And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month and on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves. When you afflict yourself, you make yourself suffer, shall fast. That's a translation for that. And shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict yourselves. Again, you shall fast. It is a statute forever. So God commanded the people to fast. So if you haven't fasted yet, this is something that you might want to consider. Not only that, godly men like Nehemiah and Moses fasted as well so not only is fasting commanded by God but it's also practiced by godly men look at Exodus chapter 34 it says Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread Or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So Moses fasted. Nehemiah did the same thing. When he heard that the the walls of Jerusalem had fallen down, they were broken, they were on fire. Nehemiah broke down. He cried to God. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. When was the last time you wept praying to God? Have you prayed for your church? Crying to God? Have you prayed for your nation, Pray, crying to God? Nehemiah did this. He said, I sat down and I wept. And for some days, he was, he was not only praying for a, for a few minutes. He was praying for days. He mourned and he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So godly men like Moses and Nehemiah fasted. So what's wrong with fasting? You see, even Jesus himself fasted. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for days and for for 40 nights, he was hungry. So it's commanded by God. Godly men fasted, and Jesus himself fasted. So what's wrong with fasting? Why would God be against Israel for fasting? Well, let's look at what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 5. This is the reason why. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions. Israel was sinning. They're fasting, but they're sinning as well. To the house of Jacob, their sins. God wants to, to tell the, the nation of Israel, you're sinning. Yes, you're doing a religious duty, but at the same time, you're sinning against me. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. You see, sometimes we were also like that. We go through the motions of religiosity, and yet we're sinning. And this is what God says to them. You seek me as if you're a nation who are concerned about righteousness. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And then they say to God, why have we fasted and you see not? Why have we humbled ourselves, God? And you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day of your fast, God answers them. You seek your own pleasure. You're not fasting for me. You're Fasting for yourselves. And you oppress all your workers. They're doing a religious duty, and yet they're doing wickedness on the side. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours, this day will not make your voice to be heard on high, Isaiah said. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his, uh, to bow down his head like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to God? You see, the reason why God spoke against them was not because of fasting, but fasting in a wrong way, with a wrong heart, with a wrong attitude. They have the right form, but not the right spirit. They got the sackcloth right. They got the appearance right. A lot of them were somber and humble. They even got some of the other things right. They fasted daily, meaning they don't eat or drink for days, not just a few hours. They seem, seem to delight in seeking God. But God sees through the facade. God sees what's really going on inside, and I believe that we all can identify with this because there were times that we go, went to church, we went through the motions of church, but deep inside, there's something wrong in our hearts. You had a quarrel with somebody, and still, you went to church, you know, did not even went to that person to reconcile before coming to church. So, we can, you know, we, we can identify with what Isaiah is saying to the people, God sees through the facade, He he sees what's really happening. They fasted, but they neglected the more important things. And so what are the more important things? Isn't fasting the more important things? Well, God was looking for righteousness. He was looking for people not to forsake the judgment of God. God went against the people. He said to them, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. And oppress all of your workers. He says to them, and I believe he says to us as well, What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? What good is your religiosity if you are not good to your fellow human being? Have you heard that before? Somebody said to you, Oh, Christian, Panaman. If you've ever heard that said against you, that's what God is saying. You're religious, but you're not good to your fellow human being. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere to God. You're, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, of confession, of worship, bowing your heads as if you're really humble, as if you even dress in sackcloth, in soil-tattered clothes, and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? God asks, do you really think this will please me? Do you really think this will impress me? You see, God said the same thing to the prophet Micah, not only to Isaiah, but to the prophet Micah. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? So Micah is saying, you know, people, I'm gonna go to God. Should I bring a burnt offering? Should I bring a calf? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams? With 10,000 of rivers of oil, shall I give my firstborn of my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? What makes God happy? What pleases God? Burnt offerings? Will God be happy with sin offerings? Will God be happy with peace offerings, feast offerings, sacrifices, tithes, prayers, fastings? Is that what, what makes God happy? No. Micah answers... This is what really pleases God. Verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. This is what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is what God requires of us. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You come to me, you bring all of these sacrifices, these burnt offerings, these prayers, these fastings, all of that. But you've neglected the more important things. And the more important things is to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly before God. You see, David echoes the same sentiment. So from Isaiah to Micah to David, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips my mouth will declare your praise you were singing earlier you were declaring the praises of god for you will not delight in sacrifice or i would bring it i will give it you will not be pleased with a burnt offering what pleases god verse 17 the sacrifices of god is are a broken spirit and a contrite heart a god oh god you will not despise so from isaiah to 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 micah to david it's the same thing People thought that if they brought sacrifices and burnt offerings and all of this to God, God would be pleased. But God's looking at the heart. Hey, your heart is not broken. You're breaking other people's heart, but your heart is not broken before me. You're not contrite. You're not serious about what you're doing. You're just going through the motions. The ceremonial rites, the religious activities, the forms of being right with God, God wants you not to look right, but He wants you to be right. You know what that looks like? You know, my wife and I, I love, I love my wife, and I put a lot of pictures in Facebook. If you're my Facebook friend, you'll be tired of seeing our pictures every day. Because <laughs> I love my wife, I want to put her on Facebook every time. And everybody would say, Oh, Pastor Levy, we're so jealous. You're so happy. But they don't know when we fight at home. I mean, I don't post that, Right? Wait, wait, we're going to fight. Picture. But that's what it looks like when we bring sacrifices to God, pretending to be okay, and yet inside we're really far away from God. So that's why he says to the people, this is not the fast that I chose. This is not the fast that I want from you. This is what is right before God. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind the people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. This is not spiritual, by the way. This is practical. So when you say, food for the hungry, is this a spiritual hungry? Maybe. <laughs> but this is practical. If there's someone hungry, give them food to eat. No home. Invite them to your house. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing finger and spreading vicious rumors. You know, go to church and yet you rumor about other people. Feed the hungry. Help those who are in trouble. Then, God said, then your light will shine out of darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Palawan noon. Okay, that's how bright. That's why he says to Micah and the people, you may be thinking that you're doing what is important, but the truth is it's not. This is what is good. This is what is what I require of you. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly before your God. L- love kindness is another translation, it's love mercy. So justice is so important to God. Righteousness is important to God. Mercy is important to God. So if God's heart is beating for justice, righteousness, and mercy, those who say you follow God should also have justice, righteousness, and mercy as important to you. We can't say, God, my heart is beating for you. When God's heart is for justice and righteousness and mercy, and yours is not. That is why he made a point that those who are most vulnerable in society to be taken care of. He doesn't want his people, Israel, to overlook those who are most susceptible in danger, exploitation, or abuse. He doesn't want them to be taken advantage of. Instead, this is what God wants. He wants them, the people of Israel, to show love and mercy to people because they show the mercy and the love of God to them. That is why God instituted laws to make sure that the poor, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners will be taken care of because they were the most vulnerable in their society. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, you will read something like this. You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers, meaning an Israelite, or one of the sojourners, meaning a foreigner, who are in your land. With your, ta- with your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets. Because he's poor, he counts on it. So if you don't pay your wages on time, you know they will cry against you to the Lord and you will be guilty of sin. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or the foreigner or to the fatherless or to the, the widow. You shall not take their garment and pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you this, when you reap your harvest in your field, forget a sheaf in the field. You shall go, not go back to get it. Instead, it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all of your uh, work." When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this." Have you noticed that God repeatedly reminds the people of Israel, you used to be in the place of poverty. You used to be in the place of oppression, in a disadvantaged position. Remember that. Don't forget. Never forget. And as, of you, as you have experienced how difficult life was in Egypt, how difficult life was before, do not forget those who, lives, who live lives that are difficult now. You were poor before. Look at the poor now. You were oppressed before. Look at the oppressed now. Zechariah chapter 7 says the same thing. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus the Lord of hosts render true judgments, show kindness, show mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. Repeatedly, again, God shows us how He values those who are disadvantaged, vulnerable, and weak in society. Church, we cannot close our eyes on what God sees as important. If God's heart is beating fast for these kinds of people, our hearts should also beat fast for these kinds of people. We cannot say, I love God and I want to know his heart. And yet, if God's heart is beating fast for the people, your heart goes like, mm, I'm busy. I'm doing something. You know, I have dreams and goals in life. Let other people do it. We cannot say to ourselves, you know, we have a nice church, you know, very comfortable. We have worship services for God on Sundays. We have midweek services even. We have even small groups. We have wonderful, excellent music. You know, I love singing with you. You know, last year when I was here, I was like, wow, you know, I love, love, thank you so much for the praise and worship team. I love singing with you. I hope I could bring you to Palawan and sing with us there. But, even if we have all of this, if we neglect what truly matters to God, none of this will matter to him. But Pastor Levy, you know, I give my tithes. I give an extra mile giving. I give to missions, whatever the church needs. We, we see all of this are great. They are wonderful. God commands them and you have to do this. But have you paid attention to what truly matters to God? Look around you. Look outside of this building. Are there victims of injustice? Are there people exploited by others? Have you seen the poor and the downtrodden? Or did you just close your eyes when you passed by them? If you're an employer, if you're a boss, you own a business, how are you treating your employees at work? Or how's that single mom who needs help with their small kids? Are you doing something about that? When was the last time that you visited a jail to visit someone? Perhaps some of us have now, now not even been to jail. At least in, in a good way, right? Don't go to jail. You know? Sorry, Pastor Levy said to go to jail. So I committed a crime. Not like that. Church, God has blessed us with so much. Agree? Do you know why? The reason why is so that we can use what God gave us to make sure that those who matter to God matters to us as well. Sometimes our problem is we think that it's just all about us. God gave this for me, and this is mine. For my happiness, for my joy, and my dreams. When you have a party, and I, know, I believe that many of us here likes parties. I like parties too. But the thing is, sometimes when we, we, when we have parties, who do we invite? We only invite the people we like. And we also like to invite the people who likes us, right? You've never, been, you've never thrown a party for people that you don't like. But you know what Jesus says about throwing a party? Luke chapter 14 says, He said also to the man who had invited him, You see, you know, even for me, when I, heard, when I read this for the first time, I went, ouch. Because when I throw a party or when I have a, a dinner event, I want to invite the people who like me, especially those people who would give me a gift. The bigger the gift, the better. That's the nature of people. Where it's all about us. I want to invite to my, my party those who will invite me as well. And that's the reason why Jesus taught this. Because Jesus wants us to open our hearts, to open our hands, and to open our homes to those who are close to his heart. This is the heartbeat of God. It's like he's saying to me, Levi, you know, you love me, right? Yeah, I love you, God. You know, I love these people too. Can you love them? the heart of God is this he wants your heart to beat like his his heart for the poor the widows the orphans the foreigners the disadvantaged the vulnerable and the weak he wants us to open our hearts and our hands and our homes to the brokenhearted to the ones who are unable and to the ones who are homeless you know i'm not making this up it's this is what jesus said i know that we want to do things for god amen How many of you here loves God? Raise your hand. Okay, let's do it again. How many of you here loves God? Raise your hand fast. Uh, There you go. He's like, um... so how do we do that, really? Well, Matthew chapter 25 says, Jesus said this, Then the king will say to those in his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, "'Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, or welcome you, and naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visited you?' And perhaps they were scratching their head. "'When did we see you do that, Lord?' And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, you did it to the one of the least of my brothers. You did it to me. We show our love for God when we love the people that God loves. If you really want to show that you love God, love those that God loves. And so how can we do that as a church? You're probably asking, how can we do that as a church? How can we show the love of God by loving the vulnerable around us? Let me show you a little bit of my experience uh, with Justice Ministry when we were in South Korea. So back when we were in South Korea, we had this ministry called Hope Be Restored. So the ministry name is called Hope Be Restored. It's under the church where we were a part of. This is the social advocacy arm of the church that aims to help those who are victims of human trafficking in South Korea. You see, despite the many great things that this wonderful nation has seen, the progress of this country, sex trafficking remains to be a big problem. And one problem was the presence of military bases. Where there are military bases, there will be bars and adult entertainment around the bases. And uh, because most of the soldiers are English-speaking, I learned, and to my surprise, that the number one ethnic group that was trafficked into South Korea are Filipinos. Because of our proficiency in English. So I learned that Filipino women work in Korea. They come to Korea illegally as entertainers. They have entertainment visas. Or they would come in illegally as tourists and then find their ways being exploited in this kind of industry. They come in with entertainment visas expecting to have jobs as singers and performers in big hotels or amusement parks. But later, when they arrive in their country, their handlers, usually they did not tell them the truth, they will be brought to bars, their their passport and visas will be taken, and they cannot go anywhere. They will be working as guest relations officers, or more commonly called juicy girls. Why juicy girls? Because the GROs, their job is to make the customers order more drinks. And so, if they get drunk fast, they won't order more. So, what they would do is they would dilute the alcohol, put more water, it becomes a juice, and then they just get on drinking more and more problem is, not everybody drinks more. And so, some of the Filipinas, what they would do is they have to compensate for loss of income. And that's where many of them prostituted themselves. Many of their handlers would say, you have to pay this because you did not meet the quota, And then if you do whatever, then do it. A lot of them are paid only a measly $1,000 per month. Of course, when you're living in Korea, that's very low. Now, because of this, a lot of them want to escape uh, their plight, but because their handlers control everything about them legally, they control their living, they, they control their decisions, they cannot get out of this modern-day slavery. They can't even go out in the day. They, have, they usually go out only at night to work. One woman that we interviewed, she was crying, and she said, you know, uh, Pastor Levy, uh, Even when we have monthly periods, we still have to go to work. Even if we are in pain, we still have to go to work because we have to pay our handlers. Many of them became prostitutes, and some even became pregnant despite the fact that they are married and they have families back in the Philippines. You know, when I heard this, I was heartbroken. First, because I was a Filipino. I was heartbroken that despite the wonderful things that I see in this wonderful country, my kababayan is suffering in the darkness of the trade like this. I was also heartbroken, and this is the, where my heartbrokenness is really in. It's because I was heartbroken as a Christian, knowing that there are people suffering because of wicked men, and I say this you know without apology, they are wicked, who are willing to exploit and abuse others just for money and for their lust. And so part of what we did in our ministry is to raise awareness to the reality of human trafficking uh, or modern day slavery in Korea. We had events like Ride Against the Traffic where Christians from different churches would ride their bicycles from Seoul to Busan, raising funds so that we could help women uh, be saved from bars and brothels by providing shelter, food, legal assistance, medical assistance, tickets to go back home, and money to help them start new in their home countries. So when um, I was asked to participate in this, they say you raise money per kilometer. So if somebody pledges you gave $1 per kilometer, then you'll raise a lot of money driving from Seoul to Busan and Busan to Seoul. So that's how you raised money. Aside from that, the media covers the event, and so many people... This is an open secret in Korea, but people choose to close their eyes. And so we want them to be aware of what's happening. We also work with lawyers in the church, the doctors in the church, the government people in the church, the CEOs, the business people in the church to help bring freedom and to the victims of this kind of exploitation. You see, we see social problems as sin problems first, the sins of lust and greed Abuse turns and translates to social problems, and that's the reason why churches should be in the forefront of the battle against social problems, because this is, first and foremost, a sin problem. Some of the other pictures that we would see here, uh, please uh, turn the slide. So this is the, some, uh, the, the, the donation that we made. Another picture uh, is that uh, there are people from different parts of the world who are working in South Korea or uh, mig- have migrated to South Korea. They also participated in this event. Another picture. Uh, this is one of the events that we went to. Uh, so this is our team, Rachel is there. If you see the small boy, next picture please. Okay. That small boy at the corner, he's a teenager right now. Like he's just sitting with my wife. But we as a family went to these kinds of events so that we could show our support and help for people. This is one of the Filipinas who was saved in the bars that we uh, uh, we, uh, were ministering to. Another ministry that we had the privilege to work with is called Love the World. And Love the World is a halfway house for single moms and also a ministry that helps Newborn babies find new homes. Many of the single moms, we encourage them to give birth. Some of them would consider abortion. But instead of considering abortion, we would tell them, please give birth to your your child. We will take care of your child. We will take care of you. And then we will give your child for adoption. Because there are many Christian parents who are childless. But they would want to have the blessing of what you have. They don't want their babies. And so we give their babies. We, We network with them. So that those who don't have children will have children. And those who don't have homes will have homes. And so this is what we do. We provide, the, love the world, and together with other Christians, we provide home, uh, home assistance, financial assistance, and we help them connect with childless couples. Now, there are many other ministries that are catering to the needs of the most vulnerable in Korea, but also here in the Philippines. If we just open our eyes to the injustices that we see around us, To those who are most vulnerable in society, this is where the gospel message is not only preached, but more importantly, lived out. And so, the key to all of this is to see what needs are present around me. Ask yourself right now, who are the most vulnerable and disadvantaged around me? When you came here to church today, were there people that you passed by who are vulnerable, weak, disadvantaged? Is there a problem in the community where the church should help? If we truly open our eyes, if we listen to the heartbeat of God, are there people around us where God has been calling us to go not only to share the gospel, but to truly live the gospel together with them? You know, we have heard of this saying that the church is the hospital for the sick, not the museum for saints. Amen? You see, I like that. The church is not only for the good people. It's for all kinds of people to see their need for the Savior. But the only problem I have with that analogy is that hospitals, in hospitals, we have to wait for the sick to bring themselves in. Right? If the sick don't come, we can't help them. And so I like this, another illustration of the church. It's not just a hospital, but the church should be a rescue team. A rescue team that actively seeks and saves the lost. That is the heartbeat of God. And we know that this is the heartbeat of God because He sent Jesus Christ into this world to seek and save the lost. He did not wait for people to come. He went out to where the people are. He went to the people who are lost and in our society in our situation there are so many who needs to know the love and the mercy and the justice of god if only the church will wake up to its lethargy you know we sang it earlier in one of the. i say oh i haven't heard this word for a long time lethargy you know, it's like our slumber, our sleep. We have been sleeping for a long time. And the church has to wake up. If we are to engage in missions, we have to wake up to the things that are important to God. We can't just come here to church and say, oh, I'm comfortable. We had a great sermon. I said, my favorite pastor, you know, I, my favorite small group. And then everything is okay. Because the heart of God is beating very fast the people who are still lost. And so I hope that here in our church, and even my church in Palawan, that our hearts will beat as fast as God's heart is beating for those people who are lost. I'm, I'm not angry with you. okay? So this is, yeah, it's a sermon, like a real sermon. But this, my friends, is where we all need to wake up that the beat of God's heart should be the beat of our hearts as well. Church, let's go out there to look for and save the lost. Can I invite you to pray? Shall we pray together? Father, thank you so much for this time that we could look into your word. Lord, sometimes it's so painful to hear these words as if we're not doing enough. But Lord, when we really know who you are, And when we say there is no one like you, then our hearts should be as excited, Lord God, for that thought of knowing you so that we could also tell others of who you are. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will cause our hearts to beat a little faster, to beat a little more intense, to beat a little more passionate for the things that you are passionate about, Lord. That I will not go to church and just have my regular Sunday sermon, but that when we hear your word, that we will truly be convicted of it, and that we will truly respond to it, and that when we leave this place, we will have the resolve to say, God, I'm with you. I want to be aligned with you. And so if this is your heartbeat, Lord, I'm going to go a little faster. Because I know every single day there are more vulnerable people who are exposed to vulnerability. That there are more people who are exploited every single time. And without me sharing to them the word and sharing to them the good news of Jesus Christ, they will continue in their lives. I hope, Father, that I could proclaim freedom to those people by sharing to them Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here that our heartbeat will start beating faster, more passionately, and more intensely for the things that make your heart beat. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for the grace of your word. I pray, Father, that you will convict us, Lord, that we would go out and finish the mission that you have given us. Lord, we thank you and we pray all this. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen and amen. Amen. God bless you all.